The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. podcast i'm your host the wolf yeah i got it right this time and my wife aka resident guest on the show beowulf is joining us today and this is her sound as we've gone through before oh yes my theme music it is wonderful theme music it reminds it, is it reminds me of home wonderful places the place that i long to be it has been a long time since we've been back it has been yeah it's really been a long time it uh 2000 19, I guess, literally since pandemic hit. So we got to get back there soon. Do you think that maybe we had something to do with it just a little bit? I did find an ancient uh, a chalice. Oh, okay, chalice. In in an underground tomb. Okay. Uh, when we were overseas in 2019. Gotcha. And uh, I did a ritual. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Typical it, thing. I would say there is some blame to be laid here. Yeah, no, totally. So if you feel any rage or anger, uh, go ahead and direct that towards Beowulf. Uh, the bull um, is not in studio today. Again. He is away. And when the bull is away, as all the pundits say, uh, the wolf and Beowulf have some stuff to say. You like that? Oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah that was really nice, huh? Yeah, um, that one in... Yeah, we'll do like a t-shirt or something. Uh, Before we get started with today's episode, just a quick reminder for our listeners, if you like what you hear, then make sure to give us a follow on Instagram. You can also find the latest updates there, and it would be wonderful if you could give us a five-star review on any of the major podcast listening platforms. I had a moment there, a little bit of an aneurysm. Um, Yeah, we're also on TikTok, so you can find us there as well. And uh, yeah, if you could give us, uh, if you could pound that like button on YouTube, that'd be great. Uh, But yeah, how are you doing? Good? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I, well, we just had quite an excursion in Las Vegas last Mm -hmm, weekend. mm -hmm. Uh, It was quite funny because you were there for a fantasy football draft. I was. Doing your thing with your buddies. Yep. I literally spent my Saturday night above Tau Beach Club. Okay. Watching them party while how, I worked. How did that feel? Um, I felt my age. I watching think. watching from your, your tower. Yeah. From my tower. Looking down. I actually went down to the casino and I'm not a gambler. Mm. I, I I just can't do it. I never would have guessed that about you. But I went down to the casino and I got myself a Coke Zero. And I went back up to my room. It was Saturday night in Las Vegas. And I sat up there next to the window in those big ass Venetian suites, by the way. If you ever stay at the Venetian people, great rooms. Sat there, my feet up, laptop, working, watching uh, the people of the pool. The people of the pool. The people at the pool. No, the so people, I guess it wasn't no, nighttime no, no. quite yet. The people yeah. of the pool. Of the pool. Watching the yeah, people of the pool. Yeah, if you want to see something crazy, go to our Instagram at the Wolf and Bull. 
and check out one of our latest reels. I actually took a video of what it looked like from up where we were uh, staying, and it was oh, they bop amazing. They bop. They were bopping hard. They they go real hard. And honestly, and I, I don't know how people do it. I don't. I don't know either. I I uh, I actually was coming back up to the room from the lobby casino area. And, you know, these two girls were like, hold the, hold the door, hold the door. So I held it for them and they were very sweet, both mm. blasted out of their mind, both soaking wet, had just come from the, the beach club and they were so toasted and it was like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I'm just thinking, listen, go hard, I guess, but also day drinking, there comes a time in your life where day drinking just can't. Oh, it follows you. It, you you can't yeah. make it anymore. Like, <laughs> you're, you're suddenly, like I know me, if I have like a mimosa mm. at breakfast, oh, it's nap time four and a half hours yeah. at two o'clock. I say that but, while I'm drinking alcohol, um, doing this podcast. Um, no, but, but I'm an but adult and this is my house. And it's 545 at night. Our show. Different. So we can do what we want. Anyway, that was just the um, little thing that Las Vegas weekend. Yeah, well, I... It, I don't really like day drinking, to be honest with you. Now, drinking in general is not a big thing that I like doing. Um, I think it's a little overrated. Again, as I sit here uh, with the uh, the bubbles mm -hmm. in my body, um, but yeah, no, it was a that was a good that was a good time. That yeah. was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I think so. They uh, didn't go to Tao. Little <laughs> little bummed about that, but uh, I don't I don't want to go. It's too. <laughs> Are you too sure you expensive. don't want to go? No, I'm not. But it's too expensive. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was that, that was definitely a fun trip. And, uh, you know, I know in the next few weeks, we've got some cool lineups of guests and everything. So it was nice to kind of get a little R&R, &R, uh, which I guess you can't really Can call. Can you get R&R &R in Las Vegas? Not really. You can't really. If you do what I did and you literally go just to get some food and mm. sit in the hotel room. Well, I was there for a fantasy draft, so it wasn't really R&R &R for me either, but I guess. Yeah. But yeah, uh, let's go ahead and jump in the monologue. Uh, today, this week's monologue just generally is a, almost a pseudo admission of guilt. Uh -oh. Um, uh oh. For our listeners and our viewers. Uh, it's not really, though, because I haven't broken, I don't think I've broken any laws. Um, so, I, I mean, I, it's not a really a admission of guilt, which that would be, so, but I'm going to basically pretend like it is. Um, I have watched and I have admittedly enjoyed the first season of Love Island UK. <laughs> I know this is a recycled sound, but I'm going to use it anyway. I know during our fever dream episode uh, about online dating with, uh, with Chaz Duche and Poppy, um, mm. it, it was wild. It really was. And here's the thing. We, uh, we did that. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's okay. It's fine. Off the fly, off, we, off, the, uh, off the fly. Yeah, off we did it. We did it. We did it from our flies. Um, they were unzipped, and I even let on that honestly, in the beginning, it was a jab at Love Island. It uh, was supposed to be a joke, but I and Beowulf, we took the bait, and we watched the entire first season from episode number one to episode thirty-five or something like that. A good seven years after it was initially released. And uh, I think we're right on time with our review. Is it good? I'm uh, not sure. The only way I can answer that question is with another question. Is endless, crippling, disastrous financial decision-making good? 
I'm not sure, frankly, honestly. Uh, in one way, you're getting like a lot of things and stuff, and then the other end, you're just making terrible decisions that will follow you in your entire life uh, and just living barely above the waterline. So I'm not sure, but there's two extremes there. There's two unrelated questions, two unrelated things, and they're only merely related because Beowulf and I couldn't let this discussion go to waste nor could we let the world events fall by the wayside. The initial plan of this episode was to be one thing, and then something happened today, and now we're conflating the two, because that's what you do in showbiz, baby. Um, so welcome to ep- episode 61 of The Wolf and Bull, uh, as we discuss the history of reality TV, some of our favorite reality TV shows, and how it somehow applies to the recent loan forgiveness situation. Mm-hmm. I have taken some incredible measures to somehow apply it yeah you know what it i think just the student loan debt forgiveness thing that came out this morning mm. it's just big news so you kind of had to i had to talk you, about you it. could not talk about yeah. it but the reality tv thing there's so much meat on those bones it's a lot more complicated than you think it would be um and that which is weird to say because from our perspective reality tv has kind of been a thing that we've always had but it's also very much been somewhat of a new like television designation. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, like, it, it, like, of course, TV hasn't been around for a long time either. So it's kind of like two mediums that are very new, that are very uh, just kind of in their baby years almost, if you think about it, like comparatively to like all of human history, um, but uh, which is a broad comparison, I know. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Uh, very interesting things I, I've found out about this. But um just for a little bit of context for our listeners before we jump into it, what uh, you're a reality TV connoisseur, and I am by yes. proxy, unfortunately. Well, here's the thing. You you don't want to be. No. You really don't. I don't want to be, no. But what happens is I will turn something on, mm. and you'll be like cooking or you know doing something else in the other room, but then you'll hear You'll hear the screaming. You'll hear the the hilarious hot takes when they have their little interviews off to the side. And you're too intrigued. Yeah. It's like drugs. Is it like drugs? Maybe not. Maybe that's a little concerning. I, but it is, it is grossly addictive television, I in would my opinion. Consider it negligent behavior. Okay. That I am subjected to you, against my well, here's, will. Here's what happened with Love Island. We, if you've listened to that episode about the social media or the online dating, online dating, we did a little a little gaff in the beginning about Love Continent. Neither one of us ever have watching ever one episode of Love Island before that, and then we proceeded to watch, like you said. 35 episodes, I think. Well, and you know, season one. Uh, I, and it, and I was like, I just got to see what it is. And it was delicious. We stayed up till like four in the morning a few days in a row. Literally. And literally. we have, we have day jobs. So just put that in context. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know what happened. And I take some responsibility because Beowulf over here brought it up as like beginning of that episode, that show that she had never seen it. And we'll get into it. Sure. Her, her reality TV show taste is um, disturbing. It, um, that is a very good way to put disturbing. It. Disturbing. Now, I don't consider myself a connoisseur uh, outside of this fiasco. Uh, one season, one season only. I'm not going to watch anymore. It's too much. Um, 
but here's the thing. I will admit it was hilarious and enjoyable, enjoyable in some situations. Had I have not known that it was completely and totally bonk, total bonk, not real, totally fabricated. And and look, Love pe- Island. Oh yeah. Whoa, no, oh yeah. Don't tell well, here's me here's that. the thing. Here's the oh, thing. Oh, I loved it, it so much. It, there's there's some things we'll talk about. So when I mean fabricated and not real, I mean it's not the competition itself. Mm-hmm. At least in the United States, I'm not sure what the laws are in England. I don't want to watch the U.S. one. The United like the States, it, you cannot by le- and we'll talk about this. It's very strange. You cannot uh, deceive the public by manipulating it so that someone is intended to win. If that makes sense, there's an really? actual law. Yes, you can't do that. Wait a um, second. But, this is news to me. But the manipulation of video of well, audio yes, yes does yes. not fall with underneath that okay so for example if you and i were to film something it's a competition show mm-hmm. and we only show segments of audio and that audio and video by the way audio and video um manipulates the audience in such a way you're kind of skirting around that code well, don't they do that in shows like the bachelor where they have like edits? oh we'll talk about it. yes we will talk about you it know? um so yeah uh so i don't want to I don't want to crap on people who watch reality TV. I think that is, there's a point in place. My favorite type of TV. There's a point in place where it's, it's totally, uh, well, it's useless, but it's totally useful to, you know, R and R and wasting time if you want to waste time. Um, and it's also very entertaining past a certain point. So that I will give, uh, our viewers and our listeners. Um, but just for a little background, uh, for everyone, including my co-host over here or my pseudo co-host resident guest, um, Reality TV, and I, I'm going to include YouTube in this because there's some aspects of this we'll talk about as well that I think will yeah, play think into YouTube the loan forgiveness thing. Qualify um, television it is television programming that documents purportedly unscripted real life situations, often often starring unfamiliar people rather than professional actors. So the idea is that these are strangers; these are people you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're not normally supposed to have a background in acting or modeling. Mm. Normally. Now, okay. reality television emerged as a distinct genre in the 1990s uh, with shows such as The Real World and then achieved prominence in the early 2000s with the success of series of uh, Survivor, American Idol, um, or Idol, and then Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Now, TV formats portraying ordinary people in unscripted situ- situations are actually almost as old as the TV medium itself, which I did not know, okay. um, which is strange to think about because TV's been around for quite a long time. Now, reality television shows tend to be interspersed with confessionals, uh, short interview segments in which cast members reflect on or provide context for the events being depicted on scene. This is most commonly seen in American reality television. So Mm. there's disparities. So we kind of lean heavily into that, which is interesting. I mean, they do that in pretty much every reality TV show that I've Watch. Yeah, but there's there there are differences of structure and how they phrase things uh, and okay. portray things specifically because the cultural differences between America and other countries that have dived into this as we'll talk about shortly is very distinct. Mm. Um, now, reality TV normally doesn't include documentaries, television news, sports TV, talk shows, or game shows, but hidden camera shows, talent search shows, documentary series about ordinary people. Which I wonder if that extends to crime documentaries. 
because normally a lot of those include that. Um, I think it depends on the way it's filmed. Well, yeah. And then uh, high concept game shows, home improvement shows, and court shows featuring real life cases have actually been retroactively classified as reality TV. Okay. So documentaries, television shows, or television news, sports TV, and talk shows or game shows are not normally considered reality TV. Okay. Um, now, the first reality TV show uh, was called Candid Camera, um, in which when this is this never is never heard of it. Oh, 40, oh. 1948. I was going to say um, So, so this is something that is kind of referred to as the first show. It wasn't really the first one, but it's referred to as the one that actually got it, the ball rolling. Okay. Um, in which uh, unsuspecting people were caught in funny and unusual situations, which it was filmed with hidden cameras, uh, and it first aired in 1948. So a long time ago, uh, comparatively to the people watching, people listening, and us. Um, there are a ton of other notable reality TV shows. Uh, Queen for the Day was one of them, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, it aired from 1945 to 1964. It was a big contest game show that featured women being introduced and interviewed and asked whether they wanted to be queen for a day. Now, think about this because it's kind of messed up. Uh, in which they would only win after they described their needs and plights to the audience. Huh? The winning contestant was selected using an applause meter, and the harsher the contestant's situation, the likelier they were to win. What kind of effed up show is that? It was one that was on for a long time. What the and, heck? And they would get like a sash, and they would get like like they, they would be dying. <laughs> oh, like oh, so they get a sash queen for a day. End? Yeah, designated and, queen. What does that mean? Well, they would get like certain. I don't remember what the fiscal amount what, was. Like a free lunch. Yeah, they, they would win an ample amount, but the whole idea was they would talk about how bad their life is, and if the worse your life was, oh, I could, the better you'd win. Just go on and lie. Well, that's probably why it's not on TV anymore. <laughs> um, now, there's also Cash and Carry, which was around in 1946, which sometimes featured contestants performing stunts and doing wacky things. Uh, and then there was also, as I mentioned earlier, Candid Camera. Now, Candid Camera in particular was actually based on Alan Funt's radio show, Candid Microphone. Um, which would broadcast unsuspecting ordinary people reacting to pranks. Um, so it's kind of like uh, Ashton Kutcher's punked, okay. except in the 40s. So, yeah. uh, so a woman would walk into her home, her husband wearing a wife beater would slap her across the face. It's a prank, bro. It's a, just a prank. Yeah. And, that, and then uh, like, like a, a dancing cat. Have the Atlantic yeah, a dancing cat with a top hat would come in, and like a bag of, bag of peanuts, and someone would be like, hey, did you see the Yankees game this year? Like something like that would happen. Right. Um, and like, burp, 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 like that type of stuff. <laughs> um, so, so obviously that's not true, but still, that, that was kind of what I imagined the scenario to be. Um, now, there's a few other ones ones um and i bring these up for a reason because these kind of set the groundwork for a lot of the crap um that we see today a lot of it um excuse me yes i said crap tons like it, it is it is fascinating that we as humans specific we can't seem to break the mold of the things that we continue to do over and over again because all these ideas you've seen in modern reality tv oh well there's um, a formula here 100 so then there was ted max original amateur hour which aired in 1948 it was a talent show similar to american idol in which various acts would perform sometimes featured singers or other music musicians and other times vaudeville fair such as jugglers tap dancers baton twirlers and hey, the audience was, was asked Judy garland's family yeah the audience was asked to uh to vote for their favorites by postcard or telephone and she referenced judy garland because our sister brand 
uh, History Out of the Box actually talked about Judy Garland, mm-hmm. uh, which features us, our smiling mugs. Um, but then there's Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts, 1948, 6 to 1958, uh, which also was a similar talent show hosted by author Godfrey, in which Godfrey and several quote-unquote talent scouts uh, brought their discoveries onto the show to showcase their talents. Winners were also selected by audience applause, which again... What's the big one today? Is it America's Got Talent? Is America's Got Talent. Britain's Got Talent. Yeah, those are all... I have ever watched an episode before. I've seen a few of them. Mm-hmm. Like, they, what's the, the Masked Singer, too? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, which is weird. It's kind of a... I don't know. Furry compilation of talent. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what it should be called. I mean, some um, people love it. I've, yeah. Whatever. Well, and, and there's a there's a specific audience, and you, there can be entertainment. If I was found a kid, I feel like I'd love Masked yeah, Singer. That's their demographic one, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's other shows such as Beat the Clock and Truth or Consequences, uh, both that st- both started in the 1950s, and they featured competitions um, that you know showcase stunts and practical jokes. Uh, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and now this one I thought would be something that we should bring back, but I can see the complication of it. Um, now this aired from 1957 to 1959 and it was called Confession and it was hosted by a guy named Jack Wyatt and it was a show that explored the root causes of crime and possible ways of addressing them. Uh, in each episode, Wyatt would interview a convicted mm. criminal who had been vetted and approved by local police officials kind of had to do that um discussing his or her crimes and reasons for committing them after the interview Wyatt would moderate a discussion by a panel that included a lawyer a member of the clergy a psychologist or a psychiatrist and a penologist which would study the person's penal area um just kidding um not really uh (laughs) no or a sociologist so a penologist is another form of sociologist Mm -hmm. uh analyzing the interview and suggesting ways to reform the criminal interesting weird right wait a second but okay so there is a show i don't know what streaming platform it's on but there is one where they do interview people who have killed other people it's been very controversial there's i think it's on netflix there i think it's called like i am a killer or something yeah 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 i've seen that i don't think i've watched it at all but we watched it we have we turned it off yeah because i think it was bothering me a little bit but but so it has that same sort of concept except the end part they just sort of explain why they usually they're most of them are trying to like kind of rationalize it and it's kind of yeah. icky and you have to wonder like i think i think i might be wrong i'm i'm trying to remember but i think that one of the families of the victims is really upset about that, that show well and obviously there's there's a ground of ethics in my opinion on both ends like we the the people are normally afraid of things or or, or we we fight things we don't understand now, obviously i'm not telling people that we need to understand criminal actions we don't um to a certain extent but then there's also that other end where it's like well the family this is actually a real person and this is my qualm with it we've discussed this in other episodes where i'm kind of like these are real people like this is a person that was murdered this is a person that no longer exists you know god rest their soul or someone who died and it's one thing to talk about it in an educational sense like this guy seems to be doing kind of sort of maybe but it's another thing entirely to do the whole i just wonder because they have well, I'm I'm speaking from like a streaming platform traditional sense. Yeah. They do have things, at least pieces of things like this mm. on like YouTube, right? So like a criminologist yeah. will sit here and they'll go over or, or uh, uh, something swims. There, Don't J- you watch one J- with a lawyer? Yeah, well, there's a JCS. I can't remember what it stands for. Something can't swim. James can't swim. Jim can't. 
those who are listening and know what I'm talking about are probably screaming it right now, but there's a, it's a very popular uh, YouTube channel where he will look at a interview in a police station of a suspect and sort of dissect it. He had some very, very popular videos. I know he did the Chris Watts case. Uh, JCS criminal psychology. Yes. It's something can't swim. Jim can't swim. I think, um, it's a great channel if that interests you. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, Tim can't swim. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of really long and, and they goes in depth. So I guess you could maybe say that something similar. I mean, they have a well, lot of channels like that. Yeah, and I, I think there's a difference, right? So you could sit down and actually analyze somebody and analyze their reasoning and say, okay, well, this is a, this is a general understanding of psychology. This is diving into the human psyche. This is understanding certain outlier contexts in which this allows the public and people who view to maybe be able to rationalize. Right. I, yeah. I think, uh, I think that this is definitely something that people try to do more on YouTube because mm -hmm. they're usually crowdfunded like through Patreon and yeah. stuff like that. Whereas big corporate entities, again, like we were just talking about with Netflix, they don't really want to touch this because mm -hmm. of the, you know, backlash they may be, getting it's not a crowdfunded source i don't know there's lots of things on youtube that are interesting and i think handled at least from a well and, and this is a this, better perspective i think well here's here's the problem but there's it's, lots of bad ones well i would say the bad yeah. ones outweigh and by bad ones i don't mean inherently bad entertainment i just mean the I, context and the the responsibility is very gray yeah. um obviously you know being subscribed to by uh, what it was a subscribe star that one guy that we watch oh. subscribe to my Patreon. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, what his I name can't is. remember. I can't remember his <laughs> name either. Or, uh, think before you sleep or something like that. Um, yeah, he's uh, pretty. He's a he's a pretty big. He's guy. a big guy. I don't agree with everything he says, but I think it's funny. I I like doing his voice because it's entertaining. Uh, follow my Patreon. Um, but uh, it is entertaining. But with that being said, I, my thing is where he does things and provides his organic opinion and then JCS obviously analyzes things. I think those are interesting benef benefits for YouTube um, and they're displayed a little bit in like traditional TV, not maybe to the same extent because there's obviously certain rules that are bypassed from, you know, under YouTube as opposed to traditional television. Yeah. I um, think, you know, they just try to, when you're on, when you're on a traditional television setting or mm -hmm. even on a streamer, they tend to try to make everything as easily digestible as possible. Yeah. Because you're trying to spread out your Appeal audience. Appeal to a very large audience. Right. Yep. Whereas like on YouTube or Patreon, even mm -hmm. more so, you're able to sort of narrow it down to the most dedicated or the people who really, really want to hear what you want to say. Well, and that's, and that's, I a, mean, it's not as easy on thing. YouTube anymore either. It's been more and more challenging over the last yeah. couple of years with difficult topics that maybe like advertisers don't want to be involved in. But other than that, Mm, uh, yeah, we, and there's a whole nother episode we could probably talk about um, when it comes to like, because I would consider a lot of it soft censorship. Um, and what yeah. I mean by that is not that they outwardly in every scenario try and limit what you can say, but it is not as if you could say whatever you want to. Well, unless you're a very specific type of thing, typically they don't actually censor you. They just take away your advertisers. They take away your money. Which is a form of censorship. Um, so, so uh, I mean, I they're, guess. They're saying you can say what you want to say and people can hear it, but we won't pay you for it. Which, like I said, is like, is it's like a form of soft oppression yeah. almost because if I sell t-shirts that say something that's offensive and then the government comes in and takes the money that I earned from I'm not trying to give them an excuse. No, I, I guess that there's a whole episode to be had for that. So it's not really on topic, but I do think from a perspective of reality TV, it is interesting that these ideas have been around for as long as they have. Yes. Um, 
now there was another one uh, similar to the the uh, what was that last one? I think it was crim- uh, confession. Similar to confession, uh, it was called Night Watch, and it aired from 1951 to 1955. Uh, it was a radio series that tape recorded the daily activities of Culver City, California police officers. Um, which, as you can see, that's probably specific. spun into cops, cops, bad or, boys, or bad yeah. Boys. So, so that's kind of interesting. There, I'm sure that this traditionalized idea of you know doing that type of thing and providing support for law enforcement and views into the life of law enforcement as other occupations is not a brand new idea. Culver City, huh? Mm-hmm. That would have been a fun show to watch. Yeah, um, and then finally, uh, the last one I decided to include was uh, You Asked For It, which aired in 1950 uh, to 1959, which was an incorporated audience involvement uh, show that uh, basically based their episodes uh, around requests sent in by postcards from viewers. Um, we have gone, we have come a long way, just a little bit, uh, <laughs> I'm a little more creative. Well, the Pony Express would deliver the postcards. Um, oh, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Oh, the Pony like, Express this that long ago. No, yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> joking. The 50s? Um, so I only included these early, earlier forms of reality TV, uh, just purely because I think they're directly responsible in a lot of ways for what we indulge in today. Uh, Oh, prime examples, Love Island. His, Love Island. Love Island. Um, gosh, his, his voice is wonderful. Um, now, but before we talk about any major criticisms, I do think it would be really impactful to actually discuss some of the TV shows that you're addicted to and that she subjects me to on a daily basis. Not on a daily basis. On a daily Let's basis. Let's a be bi- real. A bi-weekly basis. Mm, bi-weekly, maybe. An hourly basis. Okay. There was a point in time where I would wake up every day and I would hear Daisy of Love, or I would hear Flavor of what? Love, or I, or I would hear Brett Michaels from Poison and the intro song. My favorite one is Waking Up and Flavor Flav. That was my favorite yeah, one. From Public Enemy. Yeah. You, hear, you know what's so funny is, you know why I did that? It's because when I, the job, the very job I have now, I used to have to commute an hour and a half each way every single day to four. And that was my like time to, before I had to get in the car and listen to my positive motivational po- podcasts, I mm. had to listen to my garbage. Got me ramped up. So it would distract you from the positive podcasts. <laughs> no. And it would mask <laughs> you over. Know what? You know, what's so funny too, is all those shows you mentioned are, I'll, I'll talk about them in a second. They're all from like the mid 2000s, mm. 2006, 2008, right there. And they were all on Hulu until I think recently, or at least in the next couple of days. I did check before we got on here. I know Rock of Love is about to be removed in like seven days. So yeah, if you're watching this and you want to see what Rock of Love is, get on that. It's on Hulu. You've only it. got a couple of days left. Don't do it. I'm surprised. You might not want to. I'm surprised you don't want. You haven't requested like for holidays for me to get you just the entire collection on DVD. I've seen it. Those are dying mediums. They really are. They're and dinosaurs. You know what? I'm shocked they even were on Hulu because. Bottom line, those things could not air on TV today. No, not at all. They're they're offensive mm. if you're offended. <laughs> you know, the the thing that I'm kind of hoping... They're offensive, straight well, up. Well, I'm kind of hoping they do like a kind of fantasy version, fantasized version about all this where they have like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and then all the characters uh, have to go on a dating show and they like... They like get together. Like, wouldn't wouldn't it be incredible to watch Smeagol and um, Frodo fall in love? I mean, isn't that just the movie itself? Well, I just mean, or some, well, the Samwise and like Legolas or something like that. 
Samwise and Frodo fall in love. They do. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hot take. Yeah. The hot my take. Lord of the Ring hot take. 10 years, 15 years <laughs> after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I'll, I'll jump around here a little bit, but uh, this isn't the first reality TV show I ever watched, but it is probably the most embarrassing. And it is the one we were just talking about. Um, there, it was a collection of shows on VH1 that came out in, in mid two thousands, like right around when the recession hit and everyone was just Depressed. miserable. Yeah, yeah. You just had to get away. You got to escape. So you mm. turn on VH1 and there it would be some lunatic having a fake dating, uh, what would even be called a reality TV game show. And listen, if you're going to compare reality tv dating shows to like fast food joints the bachelor and the bachelorette let's call them what's a good fast food joint that everyone pretty much likes like a chick-fil-a or an in and out bachelor bachelorette chick-fil-a in and out okay <laughs> you, 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 you getting what i'm what i'm playing right now i, I do the music doesn't match but it's making me laugh all right and, and I've only watched one season of The Bachelor uh, and that entire thing. So I'm yeah. not the person to ask about that. But they're like the Chick-fil-A in and out, whatever Culver's, whatever people like. Bachelor, Bachelorette. <laughs> Flavor of Love, which came out on VH, in VH1 on January 1st, 2006, I believe. Yes, January 1st, 2006. <laughs> Is what I would call, what's like a really disgusting, like, McDonald's doesn't even count because McDonald's has been trying too hard the last couple of years. What's the most like disgusting fast food joint that just won't die? Name one. Like I'm sorry, I was entirely distracted no, by oh, that entire know, idea. Uh, Wendy's. No, Wendy's. No, no, no. Wendy's disgusting. No, okay. Taco Bell. Taco Bell is not the no, 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 wrong. Uh, uh, incorrect. You cannot compare Taco Bell, one of the only. Mexican, supposedly American Mexican, Americanized Mexican fast food joints. But listen, you, you get know, Taco Bell at 2 a.m. That's yeah, but when no, you get but Taco Bell. But it's not comparable to Wendy's. There's Taco Bell okay, to and a bunch of, uh, no, but it's this different the cuisine. The green burrito. Different cuisine. The green burrito. Okay. It's better right. than El Pollo Loco, in my opinion. Just, okay, for everyone listening or watching. What is a fast food joint that you can't stand but has just been around as long as you can remember? That's what flavor of love is to me. Oh, that was a really yeah, bad Wendy, Wendy's or Jack in the Box. Well, either way, uh, flavor of love was <laughs> quite the the treat. It came out, like I said, on January 1st. So if I remember correctly, it probably came out like at literal midnight, <laughs> which was an exciting time. You know, you're all hyped up after drinking on New Year's Eve. Probably not me because it was 2006 and I was... no. Middle school. These were kids that stayed up for this. Uh, yeah. No, it, the, the, if you're if it is January first, and you've stayed up all night for the new year, and then the first thing you turn on this is flavor, flavor of, of love. love. Even in 2006, you are not doing something correctly. You're by yourself in your own apartment, and it's depressing if well, that's the case. Well, I'm going to launch into a couple fun facts for people who don't know what it is, so you can kind of get an image. But, but. The first episode title should tell you oh, just how crazy this show got. Okay. The first episode title is. <laughs> I didn't is know the episodes had titles. 15 Beds and a Bucket of Puke. That is the name of the first episode of the VH1 reality TV show hit Flavor of Love, which starred Flavor Flav from the rap group Public Enemy. 
If you are a fan of rap, you should know who that is. He's got the big clock that he wears on his uh, front every single day on his chain. And um, yeah, it was the beginning of quite a few, few spinoffs, right? So there was Rock of Love with Brett Michaels from Poison. Wait, Flavor of Love was the first one? Of the like, yeah, of those of love shows. Yes, Flavor of Love was the first. Interesting. Yeah, and then there was Daisy of Love and there was all these other spinoffs, but Flavor of Love was really the first one. And it had three seasons, 39 episodes, <laughs> an hour each. So if you oh, want to spend 39, 39 hours, hours just filling your mind with 30. some of the most offensive garbage, <laughs> it's there 39 for you. 39 hours. All three hip, all three Which, seasons wait, are on Hulu. Wait a second. I can't really say anything because Love Island, every episode was like 50 minutes to an hour and we watched like 35 episodes. The yeah. first season. Yeah. Dude, so look. Mm. I truly think that if you want some mindless entertainment, it's a great one to, to utilize, specifically the UK version. I'm not sure why I have just so much unbridled joy well we watched the 2015 season well yeah yeah it's not like it's then not we the watched first. the first episode of the 2022 it's not the same it's I not need the to same know what happens, no though. we're not going to i'm not going to do it um and the reason <gasps> i'm not gonna well. no i won't um the reason i'm not gonna do it is because we've missed all the other seasons there is a context there's a storyline here that's being built up and you want to know why because i want to know what happened to caroline flack Oh, that's right. She's, she's not gone. there anymore. She's gone. So I, I she, the she's the she's the original know. host, which you were kind of not a huge about, fan of. But you need to know what happened. She, I need to know what happened because I care about her now. It's yes. been thirty five hours <laughs> of how, some of the strangest outfit choices I've ever seen. Uh, it was two thousand fifteen. Granted, very strange, very strange outfit choices. Save it. Um, save it. Save, yeah, save it. But, so my my whole point is, it's just. I need to know what happens and I don't want to continue watching this because I can't deal with 35 hour long seasons. Yeah. That's so many. There was, there was a point where we were watch, trying to get through it and I don't understand the format. I really don't. Well, and I'll talk about this like in detail in a second, but it was like at one point it was seven in that at, in the evening and then it was three 30 in the morning. <laughs> And I swear to God, I have no idea Where how that much went? time passed because I, I looked at my, my, I thought it was like 11. Mm -hmm. I looked at my phone and you looked at, you were kind of falling asleep and I looked at my phone. I was like, holy crap, it's 3 a.m. Yeah. I think it's like the latest we've stayed up in years. Too. Ah, no, that's, that's <laughs> like, dude, that's like, it was so funny. That's, that's bad news. I literally news. went, I, I was falling asleep and I looked at the clock. I was like, it is 3 30 in the morning and it was like a Thursday too. So we had to be up and, uh. Yeah working but anyway uh back to the back to the important things right flavor of love okay the premise for anyone who doesn't know i should have grabbed food we should have had snacks while talking about this uh, i will get through it i'll get through it okay the premise is it's a reality tv dating game show 20 women will arrive to flavor Flav's house as palace these women i'm sorry i can say it now are you are you sure you can say it now they were not the cream of the crop. And Rhymes with purpose. rusted. Okay. All right. All right. This mansion was in Encino, California, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was used for many of the other shows, too. They would just redecorate the inside. Where? That's LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like area. what part of LA? Mm, north. 
So it was like a relatively Northeast, nice, I think, nice area. Of I LA. might be wrong. That's embarrassing considering I've lived in Southern California. Well, yeah, but we life. didn't we didn't live in LA. LA is like another country. Encino, I think Northeast, Northeast LA. Pretty sure. Right, we're checking, 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 checking. Anyway, this house, big house, they would redecorate it. So when Flavor Flav was there, they had it all Flavor Flavified. And then when like Brett Michaels was there, they had, you know, guitars hanging on all the seats. No, it's it's Northwest. It's by, Northwest. Sher- it's by Sherman Ork. Oh, Sherman Orks. Sherman Oaks, uh, Van Nuys. West, I thought you said East. Oh, that's not, that's not the quote. <laughs> Patrick Starr, SpongeBob. Okay, so. <laughs> 20 women arrive to Flavor Flav's house and at the end of each episode just, <laughs> I thought you said weast. at the end of each episode he sends one home or two or none depending on the special things about the episode and he will give them a clock that they put around their neck and throughout the season they do different challenges and stuff and win dates and there's all sorts of shenanigans that, that goes down. It's like The Bachelor, except much more outrageous. <laughs> and uh, the third season ended on May 19th, 2008. Uh, Flavor Flav ended up not uh, not getting with any of the winners. He ended up just getting married to his baby mama at the end of it, saying that she was the one the whole time. Why do these all end the same way, by the way? Do you notice this? It's because do you, wait, wait, cause, cause this is this. Eight? Well, yes, but here, here's here's the thing. Because we'll, are we talking about any other of love series? I mean, I can. Isn't that the case with Rock of Love? Doesn't yeah. he eventually get with the person he was with in the very beginning? Like, yeah. not in the show. Like, His, the person like, outside. So, Flavor of Love, yeah. same with Daisy of Love. Didn't that happen, too? In fact, too? there was a whole thing. Um, no, there's, like, a lot of drama with the of love stuff. There's quite a few of them. Lots of spinoffs. I Love Money, if anyone's ever heard of that show, is a spinoff. And, like, I thought that was the first school. one. No, the, these are all contestants of the of love shows and they go on different game shows. They were all like, what a ba- pyramid favorites. scheme. What a, see, this is, see, this is, this is different though. This is different. It's American reality TV. This is not supposed to be the case. This goes against all reality TV rules. I'm an expert now. I know. Um, I'm an expert. The, the wolf expert in reality TV. Um, that's not how it's supposed to be. These are supposed to be random people. But now what what they did on MTV is they took these random people and made them into pseudo celebrities. Wasn't MTV, VH1. That's the same difference. Not quite. But, it's but, not, but, but it, it's... But what they did is they had spinoff shows and they had the contestants from like Daisy of Love, uh, I Love New York. All that is the most come onto those shows and compete for money. That is the most so marketing scheme money, shit they I've had, ever heard. Like they would win 250K. Yeah. That's a lot. I know. Yeah. That's a lot. For comparison, Love, Love Island, Island you win like only 50, 50 right? grand. 50 grand, you split Well, it's it. like 65. But but anyway, the, the <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. So like with the Brett Michaels one, A Rock of Love, three seasons as well. He ended up not Which, getting by the way, anybody. It's still only 50 pounds or 50,000 pounds. Yeah. They need to up that. Oh, on Love Island? It's been around for way too long. Like you got you got flavor of love and rock of love and they actually win some like serious money and these guys are come they just they might as well just give them a free BMW. Well, here's the thing: if you're smart, like I would say to anyone on a reality show, if you're smart, it's not about winning; it's about being fan favorite because you get more from being a fan favorite in the long run than you do. From yeah, but if you winning. won a lot, then that would make the difference up, right? Well, here's the thing: on the Bachelor, the Bachelorette, in my opinion. <laughs> 
you don't want to win that show. You want to be runner up. You want to lose. You want to have your heart broken on national yeah, television because the then show. you yeah. get the other show yeah. and you get all the sympathy. And this is just me saying that show's supposedly fixed, by the way. Uh, I believe it, but whatever it, it, the rock of love one, apparently in the third season, the person who won had like a, it's not confirmed, but there was like a contractual obligation up front because she was a penthouse pet, which is basically the equivalent of like a playboy bunny or whatever. And then, um, uh, ah, the crazy thing though, I'm not going to go too deep into this cause it's actually tragically sad and horrible, but, uh, they had a spinoff again called Megan wants a millionaire. And then, uh, I love money three. So these two shows, I've never seen any of those. Well, these two shows that were spinoffs of these of love series in uh, the mid 2000s were canceled mid airing, actually like in the middle of airing the season because one of the contestants of the show who likely either won or got very close of the dating one ended up being the lowest piece of garbage on the planet and murdered his girlfriend. Oh. And was on the run on the lamb for a while. So well, that yeah. would that would put some that would rain on the parade. Yeah, in the Just middle of bit. airing the show, it was a uh, horrible. This young woman was uh, viciously murdered in Southern California by a contestant of the shows, and that put an axe to all the VH1 reality shows in the spinoffs, and they have not been aired since. So. Wasn't there a serial killer on one contestant show at one point in time? Oh, uh, Richard like Ramirez a, was a on the dating show. game yeah. way back in the day. Yeah, that you can see that clip on like YouTube. What are the odds of that? Honestly? Well, think about it. Who goes on these shows? murderers yes just murderers <laughs> no um yeah so anyway that's that's the of love lore that i'll give today but you know if you ever want to really chat just send the wolf and bull message and uh we'll we'll liaison a little bit about the rock of love daisy of love chance love oh, there's so many of them I, feel, I haven't even seen all of them i've just seen the main like the main trio i but, think that this is like the weird inverse of the golden age of television well because because here's because here's the thing this happened to where we are today and where we are today ain't good not good like they like we are like reality tv flavor of flav kind of up here because i've look i watched those with you too and those are actually quite hilarious well, we watched them pandemic well, shutdown days well, we were like we gotta find something <laughs> well here's, here's what i'll say is they're, going com on? they're complete trash but they're also very entertaining. And and mm -hmm. I'm okay with something being complete trash as long as it's not so trash that I get pulled out of whatever I'm watching. So I could like, like there's this movie called uh, Rubber, which is about a, uh, a self-aware tire that goes on a murder rampage. And it is hilarious. It is literally just a car tire. It, someone was on shrooms when they made it, but it was uh, peace de resistance, like a perfect, perfect entertainment because it's so dumb and it never breaks the fourth wall i am always i'm I, i'm invested in this universe about this murderous rampaging tire i think it's phenomenal there's another one was it like killer couch or something where oh, yeah. like the spirit of a serial killer gets put inside a, a, a an armchair a, a lazy boy armchair and murders it funny funny we've as watched hell. some weird things but here's the, the thing they're good but, but they're good the problem I have now is there's so many TV shows and so many movies that break outside of that fourth wall. Like I wanna be, if I'm watching something, be it from Marvel or anything, 
I want to be in that universe and I don't want to be reminded of the, the like the nonsense today. I want to be in that universe. I want to watch it for entertainment because that's what the purpose is. Now, at the end of the day, people always, whether it be in writing or filmogra- uh, filmography, God, uh, film or photography or art, there's always a subcontext to, to any message. My point being, though, is if it's done really well, I won't notice. I won't. Mm. And that's what I want. And when it comes to Flavor of Love and Rock of Love, I know it's a reality TV show. I know it's probably likely all fake, but it's so yeah. bad. Yeah. But yet so good at being bad that I don't care. It doesn't well, matter to me. It's... um. Same thing with Love Island. You don't take it seriously. Same thing with Love Island. Like, like Love Island, there were scenarios in that show where I was like, I know this isn't real, but God help me if it actually is. Because there's a reason why, reason why there's the struggles there are based on that entire show. And that's another podcast episode. Like, there's so many psychological things you could dive into on that show that is almost astonishing. Yeah. Um, but still, like, it, it's that's kind of where I'm at with these things. Like I will not like, I'm not going to like wait and cheer. Like I really don't care who wins. It's just, it's entertainment for the sake of entertainment. And I'm okay with that. But I feel like we've gone from that point to just kind of like middling to now down here to where there's like this Puritan messaging that's been going on. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever it's, it's uh don't take it too seriously, right? It's yeah, the yeah. mid two thousands. You can imagine just how offensive things would be if one of the, were put on TV today. That was one of the greatest failures of satire, which I love dearly. And what I mean by failures is be, people don't give the recognition that it, it deserves. Uh, Team America, World Police. Oh God, hilarious premise of it. Hilarious. Well, came out around that time. The other show I wanted to mention, I know we'll talk about it a little more after, so I'm just going to give a general talk about it, but it's probably the first reality show that I was like cognitively aware that I was watching and it was Survivor, came out in 2000 and uh, there's 42 seasons of this show on CBS today. So two a year. Yeah, basically. I think now I haven't actually seen it in years. I don't religiously watch this. I never have. I've just seen a couple seasons sporadically early on. Uh, the first episode aired May 31st of 2000. So it has been 22 years. This thing has been on the air. There's 622 episodes of it. And it is hosted by Jeff Probst, which is, you know, greatest TV show host alive. But um, the premise. All right. For those who don't know, you probably have heard of it before, but to recap, a group of strangers are dropped off in some isolated location and they're forced to take care of themselves with uh, food, shelter, water. And the coffee that's provided to the film team. <laughs> right. There's a film team there the whole time. And they are regularly competing in physical and mental challenges. They're given rewards if they win these challenges, either as a group or as an individual. And at the end of every episode, the group gets together. They vote out a member of their group. And at the end, the winner wins $1 million. See, why is it that they can get the million? But my homies on Love show. Island UK, which get is a very K. popular show, only get 50K. Yeah, they're all Instagram influencers anyway. They get the recognition. So what? Well, here's the thing about Survivor. Um, they've been giving that million out <laughs> since 2000. No, but, that, but that's my point is I feel like I, uh, look, maybe I should just DM Love Island UK and ask them. They'll probably tell Why me. Why are you only giving them Why? 50K? It's such a low, like, because here's the thing. And can I say the spoiler? 
At least of season one, I'm going to say the season one spoiler. Oh, it came out in 2015. Okay, so supposedly the people who win were supposed to go away with two people, a couple, are supposed to win this 50, it's 50,000 pounds. So it's like 63 something, at least in that time was probably a little bit higher. Um, Now it's at least the exact, uh, maybe a little bit less, um, Mm -hmm. which is why they need to increase it. Uh, But my, my point being, they would win and at the very end, they would have to decide between either A, admitting to the audience that they were on the show for money or admitting to the audience they were on the show for love. And if both people said money, then neither of them got the money. But if both said love, then both of them got the money. But if one said love and the other said money, then only the person that got love. No, only the person who said money. Oh, only the the person that said money got the money. But my thing is like, wouldn't it be infinitely harder if it was like 500,000 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, because yeah. if you're splitting 250,000 pounds, and this could be different. I, th- I mean, this was in 2000, right? I think it hasn't changed. It's been the same amount of money. So it's like, it's good. I mean, they're on vacation for like four to six weeks. That sounds miserable to me, being stuck it in a house does. with a bunch it of people. terrible. It sounds unbelibly no. terrible. Like, they can't, and, and, they can't and leave unless they're the being thing, tortured while they're doing the it. The thing I don't understand is why don't any of them clean? Like, why don't they clean their space? I, I like, I'm sorry. It, well, it, we need to watch the newest season. They don't, they don't there you either. You keep interrupting me. They, we they weren't don't, even talking they, about Love I'm Island. just, because I keep, it all comes back to Love Island. It <sighs> all starts at Love well, Island. Well, we're talking about a different island. Survivor Island. No, there's no Survivor Island. There, there is. Be. What is it? There's like an isolation island. See, I haven't seen it in a while, guys. So sorry. But um, yeah, you get a 1 million when you win. And the show has been hosted, Survivor, all over the world. But typically now, like I think they filmed in Fiji for like the last 12 seasons or something. They've kind of found their niche. But uh, they've been in like Philippines. They've been in China. Mm. They've been in Africa twice. I know the first time they were was season three. And it apparently was an absolute nightmare because like people were literally dying because they were starving and dehydrated. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't know what to do. But they've had some like really crazy, crazy things happen in relation to Survivor. And I think they've had some of the biggest controversies. But... If you go online, you just look up Survivor, CBS controversies, and you'll just get... That's the only thing that keeps CBS in business, that and football. Yeah, maybe. Well, the first winner actually went to prison because he didn't let the IRS know about... He didn't file his taxes for the million dollars he won. So he went to prison for like four years because of that only four years yeah four years for not How, paying that taxes had, that on a million bucks been, that had to have been he like, probably got fined too i don't know what well the, that had to have the, been like almost four hundred thousand dollars because they almost take yeah 50%. they take a lot they yeah. take a lot so um yeah he didn't report it though and Yikes. uh on the 14th season of the show i haven't seen this i just read about this earlier and i thought i might as well share it just to show you that uh, things can get wild 14th season of the show it was revealed that the only contestant there was only one contestant on the show who had actually applied because like we know people who have applied to survivor and who like have been wanting to be on the show for so long we know, we know someone who was on the show mm-hmm. didn't he win he didn't win but he's like a fan favorite I'm yeah not he was say, on I'm not multiple times yeah. say i'm not gonna reveal. which i can't i i props to him but i, I would not be able to yeah do well we know someone also who really wanted to be on the show and actually was never able to get on um but it was revealed in the 14th season that only one contestant on the show had actually applied and all the others were hired and scouted. For diversity reasons. For diversity reasons. And also, uh, <laughs> there was 
a season where they usually split people up randomly into different tribes. That's what they're, they're known for doing. You like have tribal council and all this stuff. Well, they split them up by race once. Eek. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't go over hmm. too well. Actually, they lost a ton of sponsors during that time because of that. I don't know what season that was, but who made that call? Anyway, yeah, they've they've had some <coughs> some. Uh, if you, I guess if you watch the newer seasons, you can tell like they're all really good looking. Yeah, they're, they're all, all models. Like, they're all, well, not, and this is the you thing. know half the time they're running they're around not, naked because yeah. they're living on a beach or whatever, they're and all models. they're all like very few. In the earlier seasons, you can tell they got a bunch of randos. Random people. Yeah. <laughs> then they suddenly get progressively like, oh, they all got laser hair removal because yeah. they're there for like thirty five days. Oh, all these people are jacked. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and that's obviously that ties into our next segment. Obviously, the reality of of uh, the criticism of the reality of reality TV. Um. You know, generally the term reality is often criticized as inaccurate, as we just talked about, uh, because of claims that the reality TV show genre frequently includes elements such as premeditated scripting. Um, so this includes soft scripting, acting, the crew behind the scenes creating specified situations of adversity and drama, and misleading editing, uh, often referred to as scripting without paper. Um, most shows and their premises uh, are entirely contrived based around competition or something else. Some shows have even been accused, though, of using fakery, fakery premeditated storylines, feeding participants dialogue, uh, and only focusing on the most ridiculous situations, altering events through editing and reshoots, which is why people have accused Survivor and a lot of other shows that we'll get into in a second of actually being a part of this, which is why probably you start seeing more and more attractive people on reality shows. Right. Um, um, now, many competitive shows that offer monetary prizes, such as Survivor and the Amazing in the Amazing Race, and some other ones, are actually regulated by federal game show law, which is 47 U.S. Code 509, which deals with prohibited practices in contests of knowledge, skill, or chance. Um, this code is actually monitored during the filming by the legal staff, ensuring that they're followed, which implies that the show cannot be manipulated in any way that affects the outcome of the game. Misleading editing, though, does not fit into altering the fairness of the competition, which seems a little contradictory because if you can't manipulate the editing of the game or you can't manipulate the game itself, but you can manipulate the editing. And if the game involves voting or things like that, mm. aren't you manipulating it? Well, here's something just to go real quickly back to Survivor. I don't want to go too in the weeds with this, but there was an instance where they actually had to settle a lawsuit mm -hmm. because on the show, I guess someone was asked a question about like who on your team doesn't have any piercings. And then if you won that, you got something anyway, there was two people that didn't and someone answered one of those people and they were told they were wrong. And it was this whole thing. It affected the outcome of the game big time because yeah. they chose someone different. And it was a huge issue because they basically manipulated the outcome and who won the game. And the person actually like, you know, sued them well, or, or threatened i don't know if they actually well i've it or not, i've but. always viewed reality tv as like totally real um it, it's yeah. it's not ever been in my mind of actually being reality it's always i mean because look it's like it's like when people um it's like with tiktoks and things where people like script events like when they set up a camera and push record and did the lighting yeah, it was well, that was fabricated for like a show like Bachelor or <clears throat> or even more so with Love Island. I know we looked up how, what they're allowed to drink because uh -huh. we were like, are they just day drinking all day? Well, they're allowed, I think, one beer 
one glass of wine or two glasses, two glasses of wine, and yeah. that's it. Which, if you're the right person, that's all you need. But um, I know on like the Bachelor, the Bachelorette, they must be just pumping them with alcohol well, day, and you, they usually don't have access to the outside world either, well, right? So at, they're just bored flavor, and drinking. We'll look at Flavor of Love and all the love series. I mean, they were plastered. Oh yeah. So, now so that's one thing to say. They were like, they there was no limits. Blitzed. They were like blackout drinking Which, every single day. I mean, that makes it very entertaining. Um, right. But it also makes these people a lot more susceptible to do really embarrassing, crazy, yeah. insulting. They're like the things that they say to each other Ridiculous. are horrible. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure producers also. Yeah. Drink more guys. It along, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know what the TV, I don't know what the laws are of that are. I know um, someone who's a TV producer for a reality TV show. You do too. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, they, they try to be hands off because of laws like this, but also it's like, how do you feel that you, when you ask that question enough about something, you tend to, you build a relationship with the contestant when you're producer, but you're yeah. also like, <laughs> Well, you you can maneuver things just by like the way you say things. Well, well, here, here's it's the thing. Here, here's the thing is again though that what's interesting is there are ways for them to skirt those laws, um, and you know a lot of those shows. Um, one that we talked to, we spoke about recently, or just a little bit ago, um, have actually been accused a lot of deception. So, mm. the Real World, um, Survivor, I'm sure other versions, but the American version specifically, uh, Joe Millionaire, The Hills, A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila, uh, Hogan Knows Best, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition. I remember when it came out that that show was completely and totally fake, and I've, people I've, lost I, their minds. I forgot about that till just people now. People lost their minds. I do. You're right. Completely fake. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Pawn Stars, which I saw that a mile away, even though I love that show. I, I don't care. Storage they Wars, win. same thing. Um, and Keeping Up with the Kardashians. All of it is fabricated. You're joking. Um, I Keeping know. Keeping Up with the Kardashians is real? I know. I've never watched that show either. I still love that interview with Kanye and Kim where oh, she's, like, so she's like, we don't even have a jacuzzi. And then he's like, can you believe it? Can you, can you believe don't it? Have a jacuzzi? We don't even have a jacuzzi. So funny. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, chaotic family is I so crazy. I love it. Hope they get back together. Oh, me I, too. I really just do. For the... uh, just on the side note, like now that Skeet Davidson's gone, thank God. Uh, I really hope they get back together. Um, which uh, I, we watched a movie with him recently that I was depressed about. I thought it was going to be yeah. interesting. We're not going to. I was about excited it. for it. There's a recent movie. It's out right now. Didn't. Viewer beware. Um, yeah. But uh, and that's opinion. But with that being said, yeah, a lot of these shows are not real. They're completely fabricated. And honestly, uh, you know, I don't think that really impacts my view of them from an entertainment perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but it does impact my view of them from a linear train of honesty perspective okay because they shouldn't be under the category of reality tv if it's fake it should just be fictionalized tv um yeah i think i think it's it's the same thing it's the name it's the name that throws people mm -hmm. off reality tv guys well it's a deceptive name reality no it's not and it's it's which it's, i'm sure you already know yeah. you just have to keep that in mind Literally every second you're watching reality. Well, here's TV. here's the thing: is this that principle applies to everything on TV? And this is how I'm going to relate this back to what happened and was passed earlier today. I know we're way in the episode right now, but this is how I will relate it. Now, there's been a lot of political influence with reality TV, specifically worldwide. Worldwide, and to some analysts, um, they believe reality TV has become somewhat of an important political phenomenon. 
In authoritarian countries, reality TV has actually provided an opportunity for many, many citizens to vote in any f free and fair wide-scale wide elections. Um, additionally, reality TV has also impacted local cultures, um, sometimes in very negative ways. Uh, in the Middle East, some shows like the Star Academy Arab World, which aired in 2003, were actually canceled due to public outcry. Mm. This particular show featured, featured male and female contestants living together, similar to Big Brother, and was canceled in 2004 after less than two weeks on the air after street protests. You know... Real fast. Mm. This is interesting what you're talking about because they really do have a political. They have a significant influence. So mid 2000s, when was when was Barack Obama elected? 2008. 2008, right? Yes. No, no, the, I, no. I was just trying to remember. I'm like, it is even numbers, yeah. right? Yeah, derp, derp. Okay, um, like I read this article from Vice actually when I was. Uh, looking up some stuff about flavor of love because the reality of the situation is like i said flavor of love is an offensive tv show mm -hmm. it really is and this uh, article on vice which i recommend reading it talks about how flavor of love exploited the worst stereotypes of black women and in my opinion also black men mm -hmm. and it, it it's it's one of those things that's very interesting when you also look at it from a political sphere, because at the time we were on the verge of electing our first black president. Mm -hmm. So you have to wonder how did this affect certain things? Um, it's, it's not a flattering TV show by no. any means. And how can you look at that today with the shows that are on now? Because okay we've got love is blind well we've got so so here's here's what i mean by political influence um because i i don't want to say it's directly related i think that we could probably make an argument for that to be the case when it comes to mainstream media but you have to remember mainstream media is not in the same category as reality tv that does not mean though that mainstream media doesn't utilize the same tactics mm -hmm. thing with uh and, and people because well how 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 so well Mainstream media, and you can talk about this on both ends of the aisle, very often only tailor stories to the audience that watch their show. Right. You can see that with recently canceled shows like Brian Stelter and, you know, uh, I think Don Lemon's being cut too. And then I, I don't know who's been canceled. Don recently. Lemon. Oh, yeah. He's got, he's done as well. Same with... Uh, mm. There's another group. Um, and by done, I mean, I'm not sure if it's been announced yet, but I know Brian Stelter's done. They're just cutting them from the, the CNN, waves. yeah. So, so, and well, here's the thing is CNN's losing a lot of money. Well, I wonder, because CNN, was it CNN Plus? Was that was our stream? Mm -hmm. I wonder, they, they had individual shows, like a Don Lemon had an individual show. They invested show. like $100 million in that, yeah. So, doesn't Jen Psaki have a show on CNN? Supposedly, she's about to get one. Uh, supposedly, now, now my whole point is not that these shows inherently are either good or bad. My point being is that when it comes to entertainment generally, be it movies or documentaries, unless they are specifically about like I don't know, like animals or something, even then, animal documentaries are manipulated. Um, everything is manipulated. It's not as you see it. So you talk about you know the views of someone like. Uh, like Brian Stelter or the views of some Stelter or the views of someone like um, Bill O'Reilly, right? Two polar opposites. Oh, yeah. And they both phrase things in a very specific, specific way, similar to what reality TV shows do. They reshoot, they edit, they frame things in a content that like context that likely is not accurate. And uh, it's very easy to do because they, they're, they're producing all this prior to releasing. If you look um, at some of the things that like CNN or Fox will say their shows, mm -hmm. A lot of times they're saying almost the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. 
message is the same. It's just the lighting. Yes. So it's you got one that's that's focusing on very specific aspects and another that's doing the same thing just on very different areas and and it goes both ways and that's that's how i feel there's an influence when it comes to or how i think there's an influence when it comes to reality tv mm. um now specifically um in other countries india in specifics uh in the summer of 2007 the third season of the indian idol focused on breaking down uh cultural and socioeconomic barriers as the public rallied around the show's top two contestants. Now, I don't know what damage that has done uh, in a positive way. And by damage, I mean like impact. Um, it's done in a positive way for that particular culture, but there's two variations, right? There's one that like something comes into the culture and it's so shocking that people protest and rally over, which is their right. It's their culture. And then there's another one that's actually critiquing their own culture. Uh, that was also shown in the Chinese singing competition, Supergirl, which was a local imitation of pop idol uh, which has similarly been cited for its political and cultural impact uh, after the finale of the show's 2005 season drew an audience of around 400 million people and 8 million text message votes which is huge the state-run english language newspaper beijing today ran the front page headline quote is supergirl a force for democracy question mark quote <clears throat> The Chinese government criticized the show, because of course they did, citing both its democratic nature and its excessive vulgarity or worldliness, because we all know the CCP is concerned with worldliness, and in 2006 banned it outright. Um, it was later reintroduced in 2009 before being banned again in 2011. Supergirl has also been criticized by non-government commentators for creating seemingly impossible ideas that ideals that may be harmful to Chinese youth. What's which the Harmful. Well, you don't no. seem to mind on TikTok. Well, TikTok's controlled by the CCP, so watch what we say. They don't. Why? They don't. They don't. They they don't. Uh, here, here's the funny thing about that: they don't have TikTok in China. Oh, I know it's different. It's not. They don't have the same type. Yeah. So we can talk about that at a later episode. But that that here's the thing: is it, whether we criticize them or not, and by them I mean authoritarian regimes, communist regimes. The thing still remains to be true: is they understand the impact um, of reality. And reality TV mm -hmm. and in the United States we're obviously not omitted from this reality has reality TV has caused some serious problems um, it also has a very oddly particular relationship with surveillance societies and consumerism um, writing for the New York Times in 2012 uh, author Mark Andre Jevic criticized the role of reality television in a post 9-11 society as the normalization of surveillance in participatory monitoring the quote logic of the emergent surveillance emerging surveillance economy and the promise of a societal self image that is contrived. Okay. Which is interesting. Um, now, oddly enough on the other end of the spectrum, which you wouldn't think um, reality TV in America has also been associated with neoliberalism. And for our listeners, uh, neoliberalism is a political approach that favors free market capitalism, deregulation and the reduction of government spending, oddly enough. So these things are actually conflicting because neoliberalism <clears throat> is most likely not a fan of authoritarian surveillance, um, which, oh, no, we shouldn't spend ungodly amounts of money. Ooh. Oh no. Um, and that was seen as a, that was phrased as a criticism during my research. And I don't really see it as a criticism. So there's some benefits and there's some negatives, but, uh, there's definitely a large impact that reality TV has on society. Now to 
to the premise that we made earlier, loan forgiveness. For those who are not in the know, because it just came out, and by the time you hear this, which will be tomorrow, Thursday, um, loan forgiveness was announced today, which is August 24th. Uh, the government will try to address the student loan debt by forgiving up to $20,000 for millions of borrowers and extending the payment freeze one final time uh, until the end of the year. Those who make under $125,000 are eligible for up to $10,000 in student loan debt relief. And I printed out the the Biden administration student loan debt plan. Um, $20,000 if, if you went to college on Pell Grants will be forgiven and 10,000 if you didn't receive Pell Grants. Forgiveness only applies to those earning less than 125,000. Student loan pause extended one final time through December 31st, 2022. Payment based on income. If you have undergraduate loans, you can cap repayment at 5% of your monthly income, um, which is interesting. Now, okay. we'll probably end up doing an entire episode on this because I really feel like it's a complicated issue and I think it has a lot to do with modern monetary theory than it does really to do with the generalized aspect and nature of the financial circumstances of America right now. Or reality TV. Or reality TV. But I do think there's a tie in here and I'll make it eventually. Um, but I do think we wanted to give some initial thoughts in this event. Uh, according to the Department of Education analysis, the, tipple, the typical undergraduate student with loans now graduates graduates with nearly $25,000 in debt. The skyrocketing cumulative federal loan debt, which is currently at $1.6 trillion and rising for more than 45 billion borrowers, is a significant burden on America's middle class, mm. which is true. Mm -hmm. According to the CNBC, on average, Americans carry around $6,100 $94 in credit card debt, according to a 2019 Experian Consumer Credit Review. And Alaskans actually have the highest credit card balance on average, which is over $8,000. Alaskans? Uh-huh. Why? Why? because it's way expensive up there. Um, oh, well, that does make, okay, yeah. Yeah, that make so sense. Yeah, so LendingTree stated, related to the information on the credit card debt in 2022, that Americans have a total of $887 billion owed, to be exact. Um, since the second quarter of 2021, credit card balances have risen by $100 billion. That's a 13% increase, the largest year-over-year -year jump in more than 20 years. With the increase, Americans' credit card debt stands $40 billion below the record set in the fourth quarter of 2019 when balances stood at 927 billion dollars thanks to the rising interest rates stubborn inflation and myriad of other economic factors like giving money away to other countries it's likely a matter of time before credit card balances uh, surpass the 2019 record which is 930 billion though balances aren't quite at record levels yet they're still light years above the 480 billion seen more than 20 years ago in the first quarter of 1999 um, now I'm complete, I'm conflating these two issues for a reason because okay. I think they're similar. Nixing $10,000 of debt per borrower, borrower would cost $298 billion in 2022 and a total of $329 billion by 2031 if the policy is renewed each year, according to nonpartisan anal uh, analysis from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Less than 32% of the funding would benefit Americans in the two lowest income, quint income quintiles, while 42% will benefit those earning more than 82400 per year. Now, just for context for our listeners, the average income... U.S. household income? Is that what you're looking at? So usually we're looking at two incomes. The average U.S. household income is $67,000. 
That's the average U.S. household income. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a decrease of 2.9% from the 2019 median of 69,560. Now, 42% of the people who benefit from this make over $22,000 over that average. Mm -hmm. Now, according to that that Wharton School analysis, quote, we estimate that one-time maximum debt forgiveness of $10,000 per borrower would cost around $300 billion for borrowers with incomes less than $125,000. This cost increased to $330 billion if the program is continued over the standard 10-year budget window. Eliminating the borrower income limit threshold produces a 10-year cost of $344 billion Increasing the maximum amount forgiven to $50,000 per borrower increases the total cost to as much as $980 billion. Between 69 and 73% of debt forgiven accrues to households in the top 60% of income distribution, meaning that the people who make the most money are the ones who benefit from this. Yeah. If we want to talk about pay disparity and if we want to talk about the actual problem of income gap in this country, the people, oddly enough, who are championing debt forgiveness, most of them in the mainstream media, most of them living in very high income areas, also are the people will benefit from it. So... A report from the Brookings Institution observed that one-third of student debt is owed by the wealthiest 20% of households. One-third. Yeah. While only 8% is owned by the bottom 20%. Likely because graduate degrees are often necessary for the most lucrative professions. So what we're doing is we're having everyone who doesn't make a lot of money pay for the people who make more money than them. That's what debt forgiveness is. Now... I'm not saying we shouldn't have some level of programmatic debt, if that's even a word, debt forgiveness. I mean, this is a problem. It's a major problem. And here's I don't the thing. know what to do. Well, about you don't it. you don't do a one time forgiveness, yeah, is what you don't I do. I don't understand um, this personally. Now but. whether measured by income or wealth, student loan borrowers are better off than other Americans, which is true. And widespread loan forgiveness is regressive. Some argue that loan forgiveness isn't regressive when measured by financial wealth, but that's because such measures exclude the very asset the person borrowed to buy, an education that increases lifetime earnings. That's likely assessing a homeowner's wealth. That's like uh, assessing a homeowner's wealth by counting their mortgage balance, but not the value of their home. Right. Doesn't make any sense. So... Accounting correctly for both human capital and the effect of subsidies and student lending plans, almost a third of all student debt is owed by the wealthiest 20% of households and only 8% by the bottom 20%. Across the board, student loan forgiveness is regressive, measured by income, family affluence, educational attainment, and also by wealth. Now, the reason I think these two things are related, loan forgiveness, credit card debt, and reality TV, is that in a roundabout way, Reality TV is often thought to be incredibly deceptive. Similar with the statement made in the online dating episode in which we discussed the three-day window. I don't know if you remember that, where people like have three days in which they have a higher chance of reaching out to someone. Um, something, by the way, which I actually researched is totally made up. It comes from romantic comedies. So the, the, the similarity here is this is something that's influenced society in such a degree, in such a way, where people now think it's an actual real thing when in reality it's made of whole cloth lies. The idea of loan forgiveness is likely a long and storied one, but has been significantly propagated by mainstream media pundits, the top 1%, by the way, who will benefit enormously from this. And by celebrities who pretend that the reality that they exist in is somehow accurate to the lives that you and I lead. 
It's not. The reality is that this money doesn't just go away. Uh, it'll come back to us in some way, shape, or form. And by us, I mean us, not the 1%. And if the curse of modern monetary theory, in my opinion, along with the deceptive measures from loan companies and public and private schooling, are the reason why we have these problems today. Just like we did with the you have to go to college argument that I received from almost every counselor. I literally don't think I knew of another option. I didn't either. I was never told another option. We were only told, and this is obviously relative to our experience, but in our experience, I went to a relatively decent school in California. I, I know did you too. did too. Um, and I took as you know, accelerated classes. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're in AP classes, they all they talk about that. College. All yeah. they talk about is going to college. Um, we are believing this mass loan forgiveness will somehow benefit the middle and lower class. And we were told the same argument by the same people who told us that college would do the same thing. I'm not saying there's no benefit to college. I'm not saying there's no benefit to an education. I am saying that the lie of a $50,000 a year education was believed by almost everybody. And those same people are now telling us that we should just be okay with mass loan forgiveness of their debt. Yeah, this is frustrating. Well, um, it's frustrating on all aspects. Like I can see every single person being frustrated in this because I think that student loans, in my opinion, are extremely predatory. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people um, take them out when they're like 17, 18 years old, which um, in my opinion, I know I didn't have the cognitive mm -mm. brain to absorb 50K in debt when I was 17. I, I graduated today. when I was 17. I went to a state school um, for one semester until I transferred all online and paid out of pocket. So I, I don't have any student loan yeah. debt. I have my degree mm -hmm. and uh, I know that's a unique situation. When people hear that, like, oh, your parents pay. No, actually, no. I, I went to a cheap online school specifically, so I didn't want this problem. Um, that's not the case for everyone. And I feel like the only reason I did that was because I had people around me who said, if you're gonna do this, do it this way. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, I think this is uh, an issue specifically with a lot of people who are maybe first generation going to college. Well, it's, it's an American culture issue is what it's it is. Amer oh yeah, huge American culture issue. But um, say for example, like an immigrant family comes mm -hmm. from a, a, a poor country, comes to America and their child, you know, they tell them, you know, you gotta, you got to succeed. We, we mm -hmm. went through all this work to get here and this is your opportunity, which of course you should, you should do everything you can to succeed. That's awesome. However, uh, you know, these, these families that don't have a lot of money get sucked into these student loans for yeah. their, their kid who, who has well, an opportunity to go to Baylor or something. Well, and they suddenly have 200 K in loans by the yeah. time they're 20. Well, and here's the, the re the real problem that I see here is not necessarily, but the, with the loan itself, but with the options provided by the, the by the educational institution. And the I culture, think there should, right. Well, there the should be, culture. well, what I think there should be is there should be a limit on what type of schooling you can get from a high level institution. They should not allow basic degrees that have no, you know, fiscal impact after graduation i'm sorry like I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are in the one percent that went on their parents dime and a lot of people who didn't that got degrees that don't pay them a lot of money and i think that there is a responsibility not only on behalf of the public educational institutions and private educational institutions but also on behalf of the uh the lendee 
and also on behalf of the borrower because there needs to be an understanding in American society specifically that this mass loan forgiveness thing is just a general cop-out in my opinion because we signed the paperwork. I have student loans. I signed the paperwork. And funny thing, I have private loans, so I have to pay it back. I don't get away with the, the free payment thing. And that's on me, and I don't hold anything against anyone on that. That was me that I made. That was a decision I made as a, an adult. Now, the interesting thing is I was also in a higher pay bracket, so I didn't qualify for certain things. Um, kind of puts you in a weird scenario. With that being said, you know, being a homeowner and, and having certain things, I, I have intent to pay these things back, just like with anyone who I'd argue takes out a, a loan. I think most people. Most people do. So There's always outliers, but if you if you live your life by outliers, oh my God. We make dumb you're decisions. Get, you're gonna, and nothing's going to work. Everything's going to Well, we be would horrible. shut down for two years yeah. if we did that. Um, but uh, but my, whole, my whole thing is, you know, when it comes to this particular scenario, this is a real world scenario that will eventually you and I in our demographic will have to deal with because we're feeding into this insane deficit. That's all we're doing. I mean, what, like, and look, I have no problem with providing, uh, you know, benefits to other countries. I have no problem with providing benefits to the people in our own country. I have no problem with certain social programs uh, if they're done well. If they're done well and there's a relative analysis that can be done by maybe a third party organization to determine whether these, you know, programs are effective in their intent, then I have no problem with that. doesn't seem like there's a lot of that though. And when it comes to the current deficit that we have, just a few scary notes that people should pay attention to. Um, Cause obviously at this point it's out of our, it's out of our control. Like there's, I, I didn't vote for this. This is being made unilaterally by, uh, in my opinion, uh, what would amount to someone who is abusing their power. Um, but uh, current US debt is almost uh, $31 trillion. Uh, that was taken today. There's a usdebtcalculator.com. It's kind of scary. Uh, that equates to about $92,000 per citizen and $244,000 per taxpayer. In 1960, our U.S. federal debt to GDP ratio was 52%. Now it's 123%. Uh, we have the largest GDP in the world, which is around $24 trillion, uh, but the highest debt, which is around, as I said, $30 trillion. Second to us is China. 10 trillion so we're three times the amount of debt of the second country to us prior to that is all single digit hmm. it, there's there's a there's a deep culture problem here mm -hmm. i think um you can take this web out to credit cards to the homes we buy to the the cars we get the school we pay for and so many of us pay so much for school and don't get a return on it ever. Well, and, and so many people, and I really do think this also has a bit of a geographic uh, thing. You and I, like you said, we, we were raised and went to school in Southern California. We went to- Most expensive area in the country. We, we, and we went to, um, you know, public, but, mm -hmm. but areas, we went to public schools, but in areas where, you know, it was a higher income areas. So that's different than going somewhere like in a, in a, inner city school so yeah maybe there was well, more I, of a pressure I went, well, here's to go the to college. Is I, it was expected to go to i college. went to an inner city school and i still got the same thing so prior to meeting yeah. you i was in las vegas i went to an inner city school right okay like so, my, my school had the whole we had the whole check for guns at the door we had all of that so i'm familiar with two and i did that in middle school in vegas too so i'm that, familiar with the two disparities my point then is there was an expectation that you would be going to college at least there was in in my circles, well, my friends, everyone was going to college. We were well, all going to college. Well, there was generally, and, and 
I, I'm not an anti-college person. My whole family is academia, right? My, mm-hmm. my, my extended family, they're all professors, all these things. So it was, it was a common thing, I guess I just grew up with, but this, um, like when we, when we go out, out of the country, there's this, Oh, I did a gap year. Oh, I traveled for a couple of years. And, and there's this sort of like, you know, they, they do have, you know, usually their, their country's pay for their college. So maybe, well, a, but, but that's where it's, well, here's, me. here's the thing. And this is why I get up in arms with people. Um, when they talk about, well, the European countries, they all do it right. No, they do it differently. There, uh, there's, different. there's, there's disparities and degrees of difference here. The United States being a very cap and by, I mean this with large quotes, a very capitalistic society. There are big quotes around that because we are not a free market economy. We are not a traditionally capitalistic society, at least today, maybe 50 years ago we were, but not today. Um, and I don't know where I am quite yet on that, but I don't agree with the, uh, ultra progressive pushes to become more, um, big government. I don't agree with that. And this move, this move is a very big government move. This move is a very come in daddy government, pay everything for me. Daddy government's going to pay for this now. And eventually here's the argument. We get this all paid off free loan for student loan forgiveness. I have to argue it's going to happen every year going forward because that's how government programs work. They'll say one time, but it'll eventually come back because they need to be reelected. That's how politicians work. That's how they think they're not very smart when it comes back to it. When it comes back to all this, this is going to cost the middle American, the the, the tax, the, the blue collar worker, it's going to cost them more money than it's going to cost the 1% because the 1% is going to go to college. They're going to make disparities of difference when it comes to degrees of separation in income. They're going to make large degrees of separation of income. Um, and if you're making $90,000 a year and you're single, you qualify. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money to make as a single individual. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. And so, well, so that's the thing is, you know, 125 is a lot. You're 1%. Okay. 125 for a household for a loan. That goes a long way in well, some states and not very far in, well, in here's some the others. Thing. Here's you know? the thing for a couple under $250,000. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money for, for a household. If you're making 200 grand as a household, you're doing great. Oh, yeah. Like you are well off. And here's the thing. Obviously there's the argument of, okay, well you make more money than your bills and everything. They line up with that. Your loans line up with that. That's an argument of agency. That's not an argument of uh, requirement. Most millionaires drive cars that are six or seven years old. Most millionaires are not born into wealth in America. Most millionaires actually had to save up their money. And when it comes to, you know, the wealth gap that we talk about, this payoff one-time student loan thing, if it continues, is only going to perpetuate it because it's going to incentivize people not only to go to college because it will incentivize them if they're getting free college, $15,000 $15,000 a year. You know what the colleges are going to do? Okay, we'll just charge more. They're already more expensive than when I went to well, college. Well, but that's what the that's what the colleges will do. Why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, like this is this is the thing I don't think people understand is 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 monetary value is dynamic. It's not static. The quality the quality of the dollar is not the same. It, it is not is never been the same. It changes over the years. It goes up and it goes down. Same thing with the euro. And when it comes to educational value, the same could probably be said too, but the prices are not going to go down because of this. They're going to raise. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to see where this is going because this whole you you graduate high school, you go to college, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids. All that stuff has it's been gone. fading. Doesn't exist anymore. But we're pushing the college thing, which is just well, interesting to me. And I I mean in my perfect world, yeah, 
I would love to do this, this, this. I, I actually like school, but uh, the the disparity the, the these predatory loans are just it's not crazy. it's not it's not about but, the loans i'm telling you it's, it's not it's not it's it's the culture around putting these these kids so they're you gotta go four years and you better go to this school by the way like i know people so can i ask you a question 67 years old who like talk about how they went to san diego state or something well their statement here's here's and a, it's different this, today this is disrespectful me to say but it's it's reality it doesn't apply that 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 viewpoint doesn't apply. That's like me saying I remember when the Model T came out. It's not even refer. It's not even referenceable. Well, that's the thing that's frustrating. It's, it's, is like, well, yeah, I went to an online school. And people, I used to get picked on for that ten years. And ago. now all the colleges offer it. And now, now all the colleges do prices, online school for higher prices for like now, literally five times what so, I paid for it. So my point in saying this is not that we couldn't, we can't take that opinion of those individuals. We can. My point in saying that is, it's a totally different world. That's like comparing apples to oranges. When they went to college, their college was not. $50,000 a semester. It was not $20,000 a year. It was not, the dollar was not, when they went to college, you could afford a house on $30,000 a year. Yeah. Now you get paid twice the average, I mean, the average income, the average income, like I said uh, a little bit ago, right now is 67,000 for a household, right? So I, I don't, the average U.S. house cost is four hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars. Yeah. So, so you're making sixty-seven thousand dollars in a household. Your average home cost is four hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars. Think, by the way, how long would it take to save up twenty percent of four hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars in a sixty-seven thousand dollars income? If you're basically not enjoying life. Think about it. <laughs> oh wow. Because because here's the thing: is I want the listeners to consider this, and this is something that I think I want people to understand who are in the maybe older demographic. This is not meant to be disrespectful. This is meant to be matter of fact. If I can afford a house that's two hundred thirty thousand dollars on thirty to forty thousand dollar income in the sixties and seventies, which is good money back then, but now the average house in the United States has doubled, if not tripled in some areas, if not quadrupled in some, but I'm making marginally more. Because because per household, I can't I don't know what the household income was in the 70s or the 60s. Probably wasn't a ton, but the requirements weren't a ton either. Back then, they would give loans out to anybody. Now you have to have an amount to get a reasonable loan. You have to have a perfect credit score to get a reasonable uh, percent of uh, of of balance. You have to or, uh, of a loan rate. You have to have all these things to prevent fraud and, pre and to prevent the mistakes that, ironically enough, are being made again in 2020 after they were made in 2008. And a lot of this, yes, comes down to predatory loan strategy and tactics, but it also comes down to the fact that a lot of people are just not financially educated. They go to American college and they go to college in general and they don't have any classes on how to manage finances. They don't have any classes to understand how to basic, uh, basically understand monetary value in comparison to loan value. They don't have any understanding of how our economy works. Because when I say US debt, I don't mean how you would mean debt of an individual the revolving country debt is different you can operate off of a deficit and still be in really relatively good standing but there's also a lot of different factors that play into that that don't play into individual debt and individual loans so my whole point and we need to do a different episode on this because this is really in depth but my whole point about all this really just comes back to the fact that all the people who are propagating the mass loan forgiveness ironically enough are also all the people that graduated 
from very expensive colleges who ironically enough are also all the people who agree with authoritarian and socialist measures. They're all the same. It's all the same group. And the funny thing about all that is when I sit down with someone and I'm in college, I'm finishing up my degree and I'm paying for it myself. When I sit down with someone who went to one of those four-year universities, the argument of big government almost always becomes this vitriolic thing because there seems to be this cognitive dissonance of what it means to actually be in a free market economy and what it means to actually own something. Because here's the thing. You go to your college to get your degree for $250,000. You don't own the paper until that's paid off. You own the bank. The bank owns you. You are a slave to the bank. Same thing with the house. The house owns you. This We don't own this house. Not until it's paid off. And that's the thing that I don't think people understand about loans. Loans aren't inherently bad. You just owe the person. And until that's paid off, it's not yours. Yeah. Like that, the same thing with cars, same thing with TVs, same thing with, uh, with uh, computers, anything that you take out, whether it be from a credit card or one of those low, high interest, short payment loans, like from a firm or all those other agencies, all of them are just someone who has more money than you lending you money so you can have something that you'd like faster than you otherwise would be able to. And the only difference now is big government, which by the way, you owe the money to in these instances, not like me you owe the money to the big government, is now coming in and saying the taxpayer dollars that you are giving us that should be utilized for other things are now going to the person who lives right across from you who went to college when you didn't. That's what it is. You're subsidizing that person's education. That's like, and here's the thing. Why would it stop there? Why would it stop there? Why wouldn't it go all the way to free college? like Europe, to where we pay 40 to 50% of our taxes, our money, into a pit that just goes wherever, and they just give us college back. Because that's where it'll go. Well, that's where it'll go. And I know this is hyperbolic, am I not? Hopefully it doesn't. But with that being said, it's that's the argument. That's where these linear arguments lead. They don't go anywhere else. They go to the removal of the middle class, because that's what that would do. Why would you need to be paid more money if everything's subsidized for you? Why would you need to make more money? If you have free healthcare, free college, free uh, free X, why would you need to make more money? Why would the government let you make more money? Well, and the reality too is when you're getting these free things, are they better? Why would Quality? you work? I don't know. Maybe. Well, but but again, like think about it this way: the incentivizing nature of work works hard. Your body works from day one to the day you die. Your body is working, and it's difficult and it's hard. The incentivizing nature of working hard is that the return that you get from working hard is higher than it otherwise would have been had you've not worked hard. That's the whole idea behind it. But when you have a X factor introduced in the form of big government policy that makes your hard earned money go down a tad to pay for people who choose not to work, your incentivizing nature for working goes down. And that's indicative of all major economies that are associated in a heavy way with extreme big government measures. It is the commonality with all of them. People, what about Norway? Norway, Sweden, they're not big government. They're really not. The people that come out say, yeah, we're actually more free market than America is. They are. You can compare them in real time. And so, I don't know. I mean, there needs to be, like I said, a whole different episode on this. It's a deep episode that's complicated. And I know people look at this like I'm saying, like socialism is a bad idea. And I 
don't think it's a bad idea on paper. I just don't think that it can be accurately fleshed out in an intelligent way because there's a lot of things that need to come to fruition in that instance that need to be absolutely perfect in order for it to operate perfectly. And that's a lot. It's a lot to expect. Um, but yeah, that uh, on that note, guys, that wraps up uh, episode 61 of the Wolf and Bull podcast. Hopefully, this episode as I said in the other episodes, gives you some insight not only into reality television, but also a little bit of food for thought for the loan forgiveness forgiveness program and a little bit when it comes to our economic uh, scenario right now. Um, and how you can relate it. And how you can relate Island. it. Obviously, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think you should either. I think this is more or less just a thought experiment and observation on things that are currently occurring. Um, which is a little bit of a redundant statement. Sorry, I've had a little bit of alcohol. Um, but yeah, we're going to actually have some special episodes coming up. Um, yeah, exciting. Incredibly awesome guests coming along. Uh, we're really excited about it. You have to see my mug. <laughs> the best part of the show. Um, and, uh, you know, we're also going to make sure to tackle this loan forgiveness discussion. I do think talking about mon modern monetary theory, comparing that to traditionalist forms of uh, economic thought and understanding would be a really interesting episode. Um, might have to see if we can find someone for that because that would be a really interesting episode. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and uh, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Wolf and Bull podcast with your host, the Wolf and Bull. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from The Wolf and Bull, you can tune in via our weekly episodes available on nearly every major listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Wolf and Bull. You can follow us on YouTube at The Wolf and Bull Podcast and at our website, thewolfandbull.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.